If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. And then if you're really good, you can put your finger over in 2 Samuel chapter 5 tonight. We're going to start a series on angels and demons. And when I began to pray about this, I already had my first two topics done. And as I prayed about this and thought about this, I really felt led to to revisit something I have ministered on before, even though it's from a different approach, because it's not rehearsing it, it is reinforcing it. Because whenever you start to teach on something like this, as a pastor, one of my main concerns is that people take what should be really a minor doctrine, because throughout the Bible we see the supernatural element of angels and angelic activity and demonic activity kind of breaking into the natural. So tonight I want to just lay a good foundation from the very beginning of if you live your life where everything is warfare, 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 you're not walking in the full wisdom of God because there are times when we have to operate in wisdom. There's times that we have to warfare against the enemy and there's times where we have to, what God's calling us to do is just worship him. Amen. And so I want to lay the foundation tonight, but give you a little bit of a, of, a, of a little bit of a preview, if you will, of where we're going to go. And right now I have six different topics on the subject of angels and demons. And, and, and here they are. Next, not next week, no service next Wednesday because of Thanksgiving. The week after, we're going to talk about what's really behind it all. And I'm excited about that because we live in a three-dimensional world. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. Three dimensions, that's our world. And I'm going to talk about the fact that in the Bible, in certain scriptures, and we'll visit a lot of scriptures as we go through this, and talk about how God in the Bible will, like take Genesis, for instance, all the way back in the very beginning. He is is dealing with the fall of man, and he's dealing with the serpent. And if you're not really paying attention in there, he goes from the serpent to addressing Satan. So in other words, what was really behind the fall of man wasn't a serpent. Amen? It was Satan. Another time in the Bible where he begins to talk about, and this is where we really understand Satan and his hierarchy and where, how he was created and all those kind of things. He's addressing one of the wicked kings of Tyre, and I studied a lot on Tyre, amazing city, two cities there in that area. The, the city he's addressing was actually out on an island, and so I did a lot of historical study. I'm, I think it'll be really cool to dig these things out, but he's addressing the wicked king, and then it switches, and he's actually addressing Satan. So we're going to pull out those areas of the Bible where, and tonight is going to lay a foundation for that, because if we don't know when we should come against the enemy, and I want to tell you right off the bat, when you talk about these kind of subjects, then it really goes hand in glove with spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare can be kind of a, it can sometimes be a, a, a misunderstood topic in the church because a lot of people think that spiritual warfare is just screaming at the devil or yelling at the devil. And we're going to look at that tonight. But the second week, we're going to talk about angels and demons, spiritual warfare explained. Third week, we're going to talk about um, guardian angels. This really how I got on this topic was I was explaining guardian angels to my daughter. And uh, the different questions she asked kind of put me down this track. And I'm excited about that. And look at Colossians 1, all the way down here in verse 16. This is our anchor text for the whole series right here. This is the anchor text. Because this explains that there are things that we can see, and there are things that we can't see. But it is all created. So there is, like I mentioned before, we live in a three-dimensional world. 
but literally, like if I were to take this piece of paper and say we lived in a two-dimensional world, say our world was only two dimensions, and it was width and it was, it was breadth. And what we see throughout the Bible are times when literally the supernatural activity of either demons or angels are poking through to the here and now from the spiritual realm. And a lot of people don't understand the spiritual realm. So as we unpack this and go through it, I think we'll gain a lot of wisdom and insight. This is our text and our anchor scripture, verse 16. For in him, that's being Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Now stop there. Over this series, we're going to talk about those things that are seen and those things that aren't seen so we can develop a better understanding of the world we walk in, how to, how to approach spiritual warfare, how to approach worship, how to approach wisdom in our life, and we'll talk about those things. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Father, for these next few moments, as always, ask for your help. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He leads us into all truth. So, Father, especially heading into a series like this on the created beings that we can't see but we know are present, Father, I pray for wisdom and guidance. I pray that anything said of me would fall by the wayside, but anything said under the unction of the Holy Spirit would go into the hearts of the people and change our lives. Tonight, as we study your word, Father, we pray there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Lord. Everything is about you in you alone. So as we study this, help keep our focus upon you, your goodness, your glory, and where you're seated. And tonight, where we're seated in heavenly places, God, thank you for that. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So then switch over to Second Samuel chapter 5. Again, this is for reinforcement. This is just my heart to lay a good foundation because when you go into topics like this, when you start to talk about subjects that can Kind of become. We're gonna our fourth week. We're gonna talk about the Nephilim and how they were called the sons of God. How in Genesis um, and really where spiritual warfare and demonic uh, spirits kind of came came on the scene. We're gonna talk about the flood, Noah, on the fourth week, and then we'll move on into the fifth week and talk about the archangels of Revelation. Does that sound good over the next few weeks? And I wondered. I'm like, Lord, is this the time? I had it on my heart. I've been studying these things so I can disciple my own kids and talk to them about these issues but i really prayed i'm like lord is this the right time heading into christmas season i mean lord tonight i could have done a a message on thankfulness going into the thanksgiving season but i really felt like this is where god wanted us to head because you look at the christmas story and it's 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 major angelic activity angels showing up and speaking and talking so if you're in uh, second samuel chapter five say amen let me set the scene a little bit And uh, David here at the story we're going to look at, he has been anointed king. He has spent all these years running from Saul and Saul trying to kill him. He's been anointed. Uh, The people are all happy and for him. He actually takes some warriors. He goes into Jerusalem and he's actually able to take Jerusalem for the very first time from a, a people called the Jebusites. And it's an amazing story if you read it because one of the mighty men of David went, in through somewhere, basically a sewer drain, if you really look at it, and goes up through the inside. It's a spiritual principle that if you want God to work in your life, it's not outside in, it's inside out. Amen? 
So he takes Jerusalem and everybody's, you know, happy. Everything's going well. David's king. He's already been anointed 14 years ago. But I want to point this out when we read this story. <clears throat> David has spent 14 years as a warrior. He has spent 14 years defeating the enemy, running from Saul, having victories. He's defeated the enemy many times. And as we set up the scene here, as we jump into our scripture, it's really fresh. Saul has died. Jonathan has died. The house of Saul has come to an end, rather. And it's important to understand this as we read this. He spent 14 solid years in warfare. Everybody say warfare. So as you read the story, Saul has chased him all over and... He was a soldier. So look at verse 17 with this thought in mind of understanding the supernatural realm that we cannot see but that we operate in. Because I'll tell you tonight, if you begin to understand the supernatural realm, God and the Holy Spirit will lead you in how to pray over your family, how to bless your church, your community, how to even pray over your community. Because sometimes even strongholds get set up over communities and families we, we say it all the time. Well, Grandpa was like that, and he had a bad, you know, or my great-grandpa struggled with alcohol, and my grandpa struggled with alcohol, and this one struggled with alcohol. We're also going to talk about wisdom tonight in, in worship. Amen? Verse 17 of Second Samuel 5. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Look back this way. The Valley of Rephaim actually means the Valley of Giants. So the Philistines camped out in the Valley of Giants. And I want you to get the spiritual significance of that's going to roll around in this story as we study it tonight. Doesn't it sound just like the enemy when it comes to demonic activity or even angelic activity? Or we begin to study and understand what what is created that we can't see. Isn't it just like the enemy... That when David, listen, when you go to a new level in the Lord, which I hope everybody in here is striving for that, we should continually be striving to a new level, new level of faith, a new level of understanding of the word. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. But it's it's an understanding that when you start to go to that new level, the enemy is going to set up an attack. You've heard the term new level, new devil. (laughs) I believe that. I believe that when you get to a new level, you have to, like this story unfolds, is that he's like, David's anointed king, and it's like, okay, David, welcome to a new level, because he, he barely gets to sit on his throne before the enemy comes into this valley called the Valley of Giants. How intimidating can that be? He's already defeated a giant, but the, the Philistines are going to come, and they're going to set up camp in the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of Giants. So look at verse 9 with me. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And I love this about David because we're going to talk tonight, and I've talked about it before. We're going to talk tonight about it. Everybody say three-stranded cord. Three-stranded cord is incredibly important, not only in just your everyday life. Say your marriage, for instance. I tell people this all the time when I talk to them as married couples or even as I'm doing several weddings here in the next two or three months. I think we have like three or four. I always sit down and talk to the couples. First thing I tell them is this, is that don't expect somebody else to complete you. Amen? Amen. You're complete in Christ. 
And when you're complete in Christ and God brings the right person and they're complete in Christ, you wrap your life and intertwine with each other and the Holy Spirit is the center of your relationship and a three-stranded cord can't easily be broken. And just the same way when we talk about angels and demons and we talk about an understanding of a spirit that could be behind something that you will come across at some point or a battle that you're facing, the three-stranded cord of warfare Worship and wisdom cannot be broken in your life. And here in this instance, and I love this about David. You have to love this about King David of simply this. He had been a warrior for 14 years. The enemy comes in to intimidate and attack him. And let me tell you tonight, the only thing the enemy really has to try to use against a man or woman of God is intimidation. It's to intimidate you off your place of authority. It's to intimidate you off your place... So when he comes in, and I love this about David, because he didn't automatically say, I am going to step up in war. I am going to inquire of the Lord. As we talk through this series, it is so important to set this foundation of this, that if you go through this series, the danger that I'm trying to avoid is seeing a devil under every rock. Do you understand? It's when you really begin to study these things, and I have watched people get so far off in left field. Everybody say balance. Balance. (laughs) I'm not saying balance just so I can try to walk the middle of some kind of road. I'm saying balance because I have seen people that get into a level of understanding spiritual warfare, and they get off track in that everything is, is you know, a devil, right? Everything. And... David, as a warrior, could have treated his own life like this, but we see, just as an example in the Bible, to encourage us and to teach us, that David didn't automatically say, I'm going to go out and war against this. My point is simple, but it's powerful. When you understand true spiritual warfare, you never go into spiritual warfare at your own leading. It's always by the leading of God. Always. Spiritual warfare is not something to be taken lightly. It's not something to just jump into. and But spiritual warfare, if I were to de- define what spiritual warfare is tonight, because we're going to talk about these things over the next several weeks, of where the enemy is set up behind a wicked king or a wicked ruler, and God's judgment's coming against that wicked king or ruler, it's never really about the wicked king or ruler or a situation. It's always what's operating behind it. And oftentimes we step back, and it's so important at the beginning of any situation you face, whether it's an illness or whether it's uh, something going on in your family, or you're really praying over a loved one that they would be delivered maybe from drugs or alcohol, or whatever you have that's going on, it's so important to do exactly what David here. The enemy's set up. He knows the enemy's set up. The enemy's set up in the Valley of Giants. We're going to intimidate David. When you go to a new level and you go to a new place of anointing like David did, he's finally where he's supposed to be. He's operating in the position that he's supposed to be, which means the devil never sits idly by and just lets you coast through your spiritual life. (laughs) Never. And when he's set up right there, he says that he stops and he inquires of the Lord. Lord, should I go up to battle? Because, church, we never want to go into battle against the demons and the principalities and the power based on our own strength. We always want to go into that battle knowing that God has ordained you to fight in that battle. I'll say it like one of my pastor mentors, Brother Kemp Holden, he told me one time. This, go, this is, a good, this is a, good, uh, a good thing in life to remember. 
You don't have to swing at every pitch thrown your way, y'all. You hear me? And tonight, by the end of this, you'll have a better understanding of why David inquired. And we'll look at a story, again, reinforcement. You look at a story of David bringing the ark back to the people of God. David was a warfare warrior, and he had a warfare mentality. And, and the, the ark was not to be brought back with warriors. It was to be brought back with worship in the priests. You're a king, and you're a priest. You have that dual role. Kings have authority, and priests minister to others and unto the Lord. There will be a lot of the battles in spiritual warfare that you're, you face that when you really get the wisdom of God and the understanding of what's really going on, there will be times where the, where the Lord just says, no, I want you to worship your way through this. But if I were to define spiritual uh, warfare, to me, according to what the picture Paul painted, of course, and you see Paul operate in this when he went into a city, he operated in all three of these areas. He operated in wisdom. You see Paul learning. You see Paul go and minister to a, a group here of Greeks, and they didn't receive him. They didn't receive the gospel. They, didn't, they kind of shunned him, and he went back and thought, okay. So you see another writing, and Paul says, I don't come with real good flowery words. I come in the power of the gospel. So he learned how to operate in these areas that I'm talking about tonight. But spiritual warfare to me, according to what, according to what Paul laid out, is a wrestling match. We've been talking the last few weeks about wrestling. I mean, let me ask you this. When you are led by the Holy Spirit, remember what I'm saying, when you're led by the Holy Spirit to begin to take authority, and especially for me, anyway, in relation to my kids, right? I'm not addressing them. I'm addressing what's going on behind that's trying to pull them into darkness. I'm addressing, so it's a wrestling match kind of laid out in the Bible, and wrestling can be really hard sometimes. It can be exhausting, if you're, especially if you're not led by the Lord into that area of warfare. So anytime you're faced with something, it's important. I mean, how many have ever been in spiritual warfare? You're not addressing the person. You're addressing what's going on behind what the person is operating in. Absolutely. You're declaring the word of God because I don't come against the enemy in my own word. I come against him with the word of God. So there is a place in time. And David, as we see here, is literally saying to God, God, should I go up? Is this a battle? Just like I said, you don't swing at every pitch. Not every battle is yours. (laughs) It's not. I've seen people who get so deep into spiritual warfare, they're fighting like six principalities and 12 demonic forces and the government and this and that. And, uh, you know, listen to me. We have to use worship and wisdom too. But I found this. I found this. Satan knows our weaknesses, (laughs) right? He absolutely does. So here's the thing we see in the scripture I just read. He knows when to take advantage of you. He, he knows when to come creeping in. And here's, here's, my, here's my deal. Everybody say halt. I tell people this all the time. I tell them when I counsel with them, I talk to them. Halt. Means stop, right? Whenever you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, stop. I was telling somebody just a story this afternoon about uh, something that just, this has been like two years ago, but something that just in that moment just kind of made me angry. And I picked up my phone and the Holy Spirit said, stop. <laughs> I spent two hours praying about what I got angry about. And I found after two hours in the presence of the Lord, I wasn't angry anymore so that I was able to ask God how to handle it. 
And that is so important when it comes to these things, when it comes to the spiritual warfare. Don't turn there, but 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. you got to know when to war. Everybody say war. But let me tell you this. War is meant to tear down. Amen? You look at our country in particular, and I love history. I love it. love watching history documentaries. Drives Leah crazy. I was watching a National Geographic one just the other night. She's like, how do you sit and watch? I just enjoy it. But listen, my point is that in World War II, we went in and destroyed a lot of stuff, right? But we had the wisdom to go in and rebuild. Are you listening to me? So people that get completely over into a warfare mindset, because what happens is when you have a church that is just about war, 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 tear down, tear down, tear down, when there's nothing left to tear down, they start tearing each other down. (laughs) You hear me? I'm telling you, I've watched churches run into this because, again, they see a devil under every rock. There's demonic structures over areas. There's demonic structures over cities. There's demonic structures over families, strongholds. And the only way to come against that is being led by the Holy Spirit, getting the word of God and the mind of Christ about the situation, because you will have much more victory when you halt and stop and say, God, how do I handle this? That's what David did. Simple but very powerful. Whenever you have something come up, pray. God, is this a battle that you want me to fight? If we are warring when we should be worshiping, you're tearing down something when we should be building something up. Amen? Here's my point. Don't go to war with the devil unless it's at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Look back down at your scripture. Then the Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. Everybody say surely. Don't you, don't you love that part of it? I do too. Because when you're led by God and He's the one directing you, as we all should be, you can have a surely in your mind. The things that I'm wrestling against and the things that I'm battling against, I have a confidence in God that He led me to pray over and for the situations in my family and for family members far away, people needing saved and all those kind of things. Um, What happens is this. When people get so focused on warfare, they see warfare instead of Jesus. Amen? Keep your eyes focused on Him. As we go through this series over these next four or five weeks, don't get focused on angels and demons. Get focused on the Colossians 1 verse 16 that by Him all things were created. Him, He created all things. He's the one that's King of all. And when you do that, you'll be able to understand and kind of navigate how to walk through these things. Don't talk to the devil more than God. Okay? Look at verse 20. So David went to Bel Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So who broke out? God broke out. Yeah. Don't go to war unless it's authorized. Make sure you have the mind of Christ and the direction of the Holy Spirit. But listen, you may say, well, Pastor, I've got authority. I've, I've got, listen, I've learned. I only have authority to the extent that I'm walking where God placed me and sent me. Are you hearing me? 
I only walk in the authority that God wants me to have when I walk in obedience to what he's already told me and the place that he has sent me. So it says that place was called Baal, Baal Perizim, which means master of the breakthrough. How many like that? God is the master of the breakthrough. They had a breakthrough. God broke out. God won the victory. Again, as we go through this series, you're going to understand and see that you're calling on the unseen, hidden spiritual realm and the angelic activity that is going on behind it. You're calling that into the here and the now and the three-dimensional realm that we walk in. It's amazing how science finally catches up with the Bible. (laughs) It really is. A couple hundred years ago, nobody knew there was another dimension. There is. And then Albert Einstein comes along and says, wait a second. Wait, I can prove this, that there is something else out there. You hear me? We know in the Bible what it is. It's called God and his kingdom and his authority and the spiritual realm, the second heaven. That That's where we do our warfare in. So when you have a breakthrough, and he calls it master of the breakthrough, he says in verse 22, Once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Let me ask you this. How many have experienced a breakthrough and the devil turns around and counterattacks? Oh, my word. Always. But here's the thing when it comes to warfare. You understand that. You know that. You can be on guard against it and understand that he always, Frank, he always comes back and he will try to to come at you with what he's already come at you with before. And that's exactly what he did here. They win a victory. I'm going to name this the God of the breakthrough. And the Bible says they came back and camped out in the exact same place. It's called a counterattack. When you are engaged in spiritual warfare, be ready for the counterattack. You will see the victory because I'm here to tell you tonight, the only way that the enemy can win is if you quit and don't go back into the valley to confront the enemy. Are you hearing me? That's the only hope that he has. Notice David called it the Valley of Breakthrough. The enemy calls, comes back and calls it, no, it's the Valley of Giants. It's like the enemy is like, no, no, you're not going to lay claim to this victory. We're going to come back in. Look at verse 23. Listen, let me, let me stop there. It's, it's those times where you beat yourself up. I, 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 I had this happen to me a long time ago. I saw a great breakthrough in my life of something I'd really been praying about, and I got up and testified about it. I'd come back from Africa on a missions evangelistic trip. I was there for three weeks. We all came back. God did something so powerful and amazing in my life, and the Holy Spirit led me to get up in front of the entire school. All of us were testifying about our trip. I mean, there's 1,200 people in this huge sanctuary, all students. And, and he asked, he said, did, uh, he said, did, that's my wife calling. Why is my wife calling me? Who is that back there in the chair? Is that Carl? Go see what my wife needs. Sorry, y'all. And she probably accidental dialed me. I'm hoping. So I get up and testify about this breakthrough. And within two days, the devil's like, you should have never testified to that. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do this and all the things that he began to say. And some of us say that. We're like, man, I never should have told everybody that I got free from this because now I'm struggling. Listen to me. The only struggle that you can't defeat is if you just give up and give over. Verse 22, look. So David inquired of the Lord again, and he answered. David didn't just presume. Listen to me. It's presumption. 
spiritual warfare, talking about angels and demons, people get over into presumption. And listen, presumption leads to pride. Think of Samson for a minute. He just presumed that God was all over him and with him. He stood up, shook himself, and I'll slay these Philistines like I slayed them before. I'll, I'll take them out again. And God wasn't with him. Listen, he inquired the first time. When the enemy sets back up, he inquires again. Presumption can lead to pride. Here's what pride says in any situation in your life. I got this. I can do this. I, I won before. I've been alcohol-free for 25 years. I can go, no, honey. Listen to me. It's the truth. David did not presume. Listen, here's why it's important not to presume, and it's always important to get the mind of God about any situation in your life and what he's leading. Why is it important not to presume? Because the Philistines, and this is how the enemy in spiritual warfare will change his tactics, amen? I have found if he can't get at you one way, Listen, what I found is if he can't get at me and my wife, he'll come after my kids. If he can't get at my kids, he's going to come after. This isn't, this isn't meant to scare you tonight. It's meant that we should walk in wisdom. We should worship God and get the mind of God and get the leading of God. Because here's why that's important to inquire again. Because if he wouldn't have inquired and said, well, I won before. I'm going to run out and beat him again. The enemy had set up a completely different strategy in order to come against what David was going to come and beat them up with. Amen? Amen. So warfare is vital. But the second thing that's equally as important is worship. Everybody say worship. Worship. I mentioned it before, but this is so powerful to understand. David, the Philistines didn't want the ark anymore. They're like, please get this. We, we, We captured this. We put it in our temple. And most of you who read your Bible know why they wanted to get rid of it. I'd have wanted to get rid of it too. And David's like, yes. But David was a man of war. He was a man of war, so he assumes that he can take his 300 warriors, or how many hundreds it was, march into the Philistine Dagon temple, put it up, and we all know what happens. They're coming back from the Philistine area. And these are the Philistines in the story where we've read. He's beaten and he's defeated. And it seems like the Philistines never went away, did they? You read through the Bible, you're like, man, there's the Philistines again. It's a spiritual analogy of the fact that we live in a fallen world, that spiritual warfare is real because we live in a fallen world, but it's not always the devil. Sometimes you're just trying to do the right thing. You're trying to operate in the right way. You know that God wants his, his ark and back in the temple. So in the story, he brings all the warriors, and they're on a, they've got that ark up on a new cart, and the, the, the men of God are there with the cart, and the cart hits a bump. And very innocently, the man driving the, the cart reaches back to steady it, and God strikes him dead. Yeah. And, and, and you read the story, and David's like any of us will be. God, I mean, have you ever been in a place where, God, I'm doing, I thought I'm doing what you're... But, but listen to me, it's not just warfare all the time. Sometimes God won't lead you into rebuking the devil. God will give you an understanding that you can be just as powerful being a true worshiper of God because what did he go back and do? He went back and got the Levites. Mm-hmm. The Levites were the priests. And David, David understands now this isn't about war. This is about God's presence and God's worship. Ooh, listen to me. 
the most powerful thing you can have in act, in, in act, active in your life is the presence of God. David knew that. David looked around Jerusalem and said, what's missing? God's ark, which is symbolic of what you have on the inside of you now. You have God that dwelt between the cherubim of the ark. You have that on the inside of you. And David took off the armor. He was in his under armor. (laughs) I thought you guys would like that. And what did they do? They stopped every six steps and they worshipped. Listen, if God's not leading you to confront something behind a situation, then the best thing you can do is be led by the Holy Spirit. In some of the situations, God's just going to have you worship Him through. Lift up His name and continue to worship. Listen, I'll say this. I found this. This is, this is the foundation of what we're going to talk about the next five weeks. I have found that God has done far more through my worship than through my warfare. Absolutely. Far more through my worship than just, you know, yelling at the devil. And again, I, I get worked up when I pray. And that's not intentional. It's just sometimes I just feel that unction to come against something that I'm sensing or, or feeling and, and whatnot. But there's just as many times. And if you come on Monday nights, that's how we operate our prayer service. Sometimes we'll just worship the whole time and give God the praise and honor and glory. It's not always about coming against something. Here's what David learned. David learned there's a time where you warfare and focus is on the devil and tearing down what he has set up. Because I guarantee you, if you start to pray living in this area right here, there are some strongholds that have been set up over this area of Florida that don't exist anywhere else. They really don't. If you've traveled, you can fly into cities and literally feel the spiritual atmosphere. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks of, of what's behind that. What, why is that? We're going to talk about and understand with understanding angels and demons. And uh, so worship, everybody say worship. worship. Warfare. Warfare. And finally, wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Warfare tears down. True spiritual warfare is a wrestling match. Listen, for some of you in here like myself, You're in a wrestling match against the enemy for their eternal souls. So being led by the Holy Spirit, there may be times where you're praying and God will bring something up and say, hey, I want you to bind this. I want you to loose this. That's a part of spiritual warfare. There's other times that he'll come along and he'll say, you don't need to do anything but just worship and continue to worship me. And listen, warfare tears down. And I've watched people spend years in warfare and all they ever do is tear everything down. And they don't know how to walk in wisdom because Proverbs tells us that by wisdom a house is built. Sometimes you just need good old-fashioned wisdom because there's not a devil under every rock. If you don't put oil in the engine of your car, you can rebuke the devil till you're blue in the face. Your car's going to blow up. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, if you do not keep the oil of the Holy Spirit in the engine of your heart, you're going to have a blow up. That's wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge. Amen? Amen. 
Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Right? Mm-hmm. Said this before, I'll say it again. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Amen? That's knowledge versus wisdom. If you give me fruit salad with a tomato in it, I'm going to get upset. I say, that person isn't walking in the wisdom of the Lord. Can't be, because it doesn't belong in there. If you spend all your life, listen to me now, if you either wreck on any sides of these roads where all you do is, is just, and listen, listen to me very carefully with a spirit-filled, charismatic Pentecostal church, if you spend all your time rebuking the devil and praying in tongues, that's great, but you're probably never going to build your life in wisdom. If you spend all of your life doing nothing but just worshiping, and well, I, don't, I don't come against the devil, I just worship. Some of you all sitting right in here think that that's what we should do for three hours straight. And I'll tell you what will happen. There will be ten people here. Are you listening to me? Because people need to learn wisdom. They need to learn worship. Because it's a three-stranded cord that is not easily broken. And there are some keys right now in your life that doesn't need the devil rebuke because he's not even really behind it anyway. It doesn't even need you to stop and necessarily worship God, even though we worship God. You guys hear what I'm saying. Sometimes God just needs you to give you some good old-fashioned wisdom because it's by wisdom a house is built. This church right here, if I never get the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God in His thoughts, you hear me? There is no shortage of thoughts in this church. Do you hear me? Not a shortage. But if I take my thoughts and bring them into alignment with your thoughts, I no longer am thinking God's thoughts, and we will never build the house in wisdom. Are you hearing me? That is why it's so important not to just to come in and just, again, when David prayed, Lord, should I go up to this battle? Yes, I'm going to give you a breakthrough. They get the breakthrough, they defeat. He comes back because the enemy counterattacks and he always comes back to test you in the area that you just got victory in. You get healed, I guarantee you within three or four days the devil's going to be like, that lump's back. It's back, feel it. This is back. He's always going to come back and test you. So you pray again, God, I believe you healed me. I'm standing on, in faith and on your word. I believe that you healed me. He's always going to come back around. But Lord, I'm going to pray. So when they come out again, the enemy's set up differently to defeat them. And he comes in and the Lord says, here's what I want you to do. Go around behind him. <laughs> He's always got a strategy to defeat what is in front of you. God does. And you're not strong enough to defeat the enemy. He is. And when you're on his side and you're operating in obedience to him, he will tell you, go around the back. And when you hear, and again, how does this tie in with angels and demons? Because when you see, we live in a three-dimensional world. And like my pastor used to call it, and you guys, many of you in here, if not all of you, have been in this place that I'm about to say. Because my pastor used to call it, when we get really deep into worship, in God's presence, literally. Have you been in, I've been in this church, I've been so deep in worship that I can literally almost feel Jesus breathing on me. He called that a thin place. 
We're going to talk about those things over the next few weeks. Because you see the breaking in from the dimension of the supernatural spiritual realm of God. Breaking in because when they set up against the enemy, he says, don't go until you hear the sound through the poplar trees. And when you hear, in other words, when God is leading you into warfare, he goes before you. When you go into worship, the ark of God goes before you. When they went up against Jericho, the presence and the ark of God went before them. Amen? And it marched around the city again and again. It is a natural thing that they were doing that had supernatural, angelic, and demonic uh, implications of God moving in. And when they moved in and God went before them, they went in and they defeated the enemy. Was it them defeating the enemy? They still had to pull their swords. Amen. So sometimes you still have to know how to wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You have to back up and say, sometimes God, I believe that I've already uh, conquered this in prayer. So I'm just going to worship you while I wait. Every six steps, they'd stop and let's worship him. Let's, let's offer a sacrifice. That's, that's called a sacrifice of praise. And you may get far more done just worshiping and lifting him up. But when you get into those thin places, don't be surprised if it's something the Lord speaks to you that is by way of wisdom. Good old-fashioned, this is how you will not build a business You will not build a church. You will not build a family. You will not build generational wealth that God wants you to build. You will not build any of those things unless you're operating in the wisdom of God. And it's why warfare, worship, and wisdom are a three-stranded cord that cannot be easily broken. God has called us to build the house. Wisdom builds the house. Wisdom about marriage. Wisdom about how to raise those kids. Come on, Jesus. Wisdom of how to put your life back together when you've completely messed it up. You can pray in tongues and rebuke the devil all you want. But if you don't begin to operate in wisdom at some point in your life, you're not building, you're tearing down. Are you following me? None of those things are on super spiritual people's radars, right? It's not. Oh, bless God, I'll just rebuke the enemy. What happens in a lot of Pentecostal charismatic circles is we love worship and we love warfare. We shy away from the wisdom, amen? Over these next five weeks, and this is the reason I started here, is reinforcement, not rehearsing this, reinforcing it in your, in your ears. As we go into this, you're going to go home and Google everything I say. Because <laughs> it's going to be deep. I'm telling you right now, you've got to come with your thinking cap and your spiritual antenna up. And when I talk about Nephilim and giants in the Old Testament and Genesis, because I mentioned these things to my daughter, what? I said, yes, angels came down and laid with women because they saw women were beautiful. and they... It's right there in the Bible. And listen, if I don't teach her the correct, <laughs> what's the truth of that whole story? Somebody, somebody else will that's weird. Amen? We don't want weird in this church. We want truth. So we're going to talk about those things, and you're going to go home. Several of you are going to buy the book of Enoch. Don't do it. Half of you don't even know there was a book of Enoch. Because I talk to my mom all the time, and she's like, I've read it. I'm like, where'd you read that? Where? 
well, it was the book of Enoch. Put it down. <laughs> Had a young lady who was in my young adults group. This was just a while back. Text me out of the blue. Hadn't talked to, it was Leah's roommate in Bible school. Her name's Felicia, Felicia Brown. Felicia texts me, Pastor, what do you think about the book of Enoch? And I had just been studying and I taught to you how the Bible was formed. And I said, they left it out for a reason, Felicia. Put it down. You're hearing me. All right? So when you get into these things, there's a, there's a temptation to take it so far where God wants you to worship Him, trust Him, and understand the truth. We're going to get into these things. We're going to understand them. We're going to understand, I'm going to teach you where demons came from. Some of you guys have asked that for a long time. I'm going to teach you those things. Amen? Let's stand up tonight because I promised my wife I'd be done at 7.30. Faith, you go tell her. 7.31. I always got to take it that extra minute further. But I am done, so that's why I'm stopping. She wouldn't care if I went in that. Well, yeah, she would. But. And so would you guys. There's a precious woman of God named Nina that used to come here and... I was talking to her, and I want to, that reminds me, Lord, thank you. That reminds me because I know a lot of people that are here tonight especially knew him very well, but our good friend Charlie, we called him Straw Hat Charlie because we have many Charlies in this church, he passed away last week. Yeah, I know, I look at some of your faces, and uh, so I was talking to her about that, about, you know, helping and things we could do in regards, and he was very ill. The Holy Spirit told me a couple months ago that, you know, and I talked to him a lot, and I know many of you knew him very well. But just to let you know, but I was talking to her, and she said, you need to preach longer. She hadn't even come to the church in the last two and a half, three years. She's moved back up to New York. I said, okay, let me run that by the church on Wednesday night. No. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we love you because we love your word, and we love the truth of your word. So, Father, tonight as we, as we go into this weekend and even next week in Thanksgiving, Father, we just stop right now tonight and say thank you. Thank you that everything was made by your son, Jesus Christ, Father, seen and unseen. Everything that we walk through, God, you have an answer for. You, you will lead us and guide us. We want to be like David who knows when to walk in wisdom, know when to walk in warfare, know when to just lift our hands and just worship you for your goodness. So, Lord, this Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. So, Father, lead us and guide us as we've laid the foundation tonight of true biblical foundation of spiritual warfare, of the spiritual realm. God, I pray you would open wisdom and revelation, God, that you would lead us and guide us into all truth throughout this series. And, Father, you would watch over and protect everybody tonight. We would be blessed going in and blessed going out, that we would be blessed at our jobs and blessed in our homes. Father, I speak the blessings of God over Christian Center Church tonight, Father. We love you, and we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.